Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Hello, thank you ever so much for listening. We have a special episode of the Kent Online podcast today because a mum from Kent whose baby was still born at just 20 weeks has spoken to us about how being able to spend several days with her little girl has helped her to process what happened. Cheryl Griffiths from Maidstone went for a routine scan last November. Tragically, her baby's heartbeat couldn't be found. A hospital visit confirmed little Bryn had passed away. Cheryl gave birth at Medway Maritime a few days later, supported by her husband and close friend. Now, the hospital has a dedicated bereavement suite, which includes cold cots, which allows parents to stay with their baby. This is Cheryl's story. Going through that pain of labour and then having your baby and then the room's just silent, completely silent. And you just, you'll you never forget that. You'll never, ever forget that. Midwives are absolutely fantastic, so gentle, so caring, so their job is so selfless. To go through that and see a baby that has passed away, a stillborn baby, must be, it mentally will take their toll on these midwives, but they, they handle it so professionally and they see that my husband had every need, Kelly had every need, I had everything I needed. They were, we were really, really well taken care of up there. So we went through the process, got Bryn dressed, got everything done for her, possible. And then Danny, the midwife, came to see us and she explained Abigail's footsteps. Kelly went up to see the flat that they've got in it. Because it's a one-bedroom flat, beautiful, absolutely stunning, really well decorated. Very, very calming atmosphere and it allows you to just chill. So we off we went up to the Abigail's footsteps. We went in there on the Wednesday and I said to my husband, I said, we need to go home on Friday. Friday, that's it, Friday. Because obviously there's only so much how long a baby can stay out. Yeah. Even though she's in the Abigail's cot, she's basically preserved a little yeah. bit longer for yeah. us. But I felt, I can't keep her. Like, I can't keep her. So we went in there. We were so relaxed. We were well looked after. Um, they kept asking us if we wanted our meals. Checked us in the morning, left us at night time before they went home and stuff like that. Midwives were always on call, just down the hall, if we ever needed anything. So, yeah, off we went, went and Abigail's. Spent all that time with Bryn. There was a book of so many... It happens to so many people. When you're reading a little condolence book, there's people not just lost one, they've lost two. And you're like, oh, my God, this happens to so many more people than you think. Mm. It's just not vocalised. Maybe it's because they feel that they can't talk about it. It's made like, oh, don't talk about that. But you wouldn't talk about living children like that. You wouldn't discard them. This, I still say I've had six children. Brinny was number six, so she was my baby. So I'll, I'll still talk about her. Anybody wants to know, I'll talk about her. She's still a beautiful little, pouty-lipped little girl. But even the aftercare of it as well, like even when we went home, when I left on a Friday, I literally let the midwives finish at four o'clock. I left it to four o'clock and I said to them, I said, can you sit with her? I don't want you to wheel her away in front of me. I said, I can't, that's, I can't deal with that. So when we left, my husband was scurrying me out of the hospital because I was like, no, I'm going back. I want my baby. I was like having a breakdown. Yeah. I was like, I want my baby. You need to get her, Brian. You need to get her home. I need her. I was like going nuts. I sounded like crazy. <laughs> but um, we got home and I was like, you need to get her home. You need to get her home right now. So he made the organisation to try and get her home. But then we spoke to Yvonne, the other midwife, 
and she said, you can come up and see it whenever you want. So we were there every single day, bar one, because I was exhausted. Every single day for the whole, I think it was a week and a half, Bryn was up in the hospital. They made me feel so comfortable that Bryn would be treated with respect, kindness and love and treated like one of their own. So for us to go up and be able to see her as much as we like, that was refreshing and I felt contentment in being able to do that. Even my daughter, she's 13, she was like, I want to see my sister. So that was like a very big conversation because obviously it's a baby, a sleeping baby. But when she seen her, she was like, Mummy, she's so tiny, she's so beautiful. She was like, she's just like you. And I'm just like, oh. like So like, I've got photos of her holding her sister and she's smiling with happiness because she's seen this little girl. She's like, this is my little sister. She's like, I love her so much, Mum. Um, they've also provided us with a little box as well, like a little memory box. And in that box is a book. And my two stepsons and my daughter write little notes to her. So it's refreshing to be able to be given that for them and ourselves. We can write little notes just mm-hmm. to her sister. And it's amazing. Like what they provide, their service is just, I don't know, it's astounding. How do you think you would have coped without that? Because only a matter of years ago, that just wouldn't have happened. That facility wasn't there. I mean, how would it have affected you if you couldn't have gone through that process? As hard as it was, you managed to spend that time with your baby that was so important to mm-hmm. you. I mean, it, it doesn't bear thinking about, does it? That that, no. that that wasn't available to, as you know, an awful lot of parents who go through exactly the same thing. I don't think I'd still be standing today I wouldn't be the support we've received whether it be through the midwives be it through the counselling session that I'm receiving at the moment I don't think I'd be able to do what I'm doing now their support is beyond words without their support my family would have I would have broke down I think when a woman breaks down in the family your family falls apart and I them were there 24 7 as I said anything we needed they were there a phone call a text message anything I don't think I would be standing here today um, and be as strong as I can be because they've provided that service if I couldn't have got that time with my baby I think you would have had to put me in a padded room because that time with her has mentally made me content, if that makes sense. Even though it's the hardest process, knowing that you can't hold your little girl properly, you can't feed your little girl, you can't mother her or nurture her the way that you want to, because she is obviously sleeping. And you can't do as much as you would as with your other children. That is devastating, but they make the process easier. Obviously, you mentioned the the, the special facility that you're able to stay mm-hmm. in essentially a flat that's there but I know Abigail's have done an awful lot with training midwives as mm-hmm. well because they yeah. previously didn't get training on baby <coughs> bereavement as you say for them it must be incredibly difficult as 100%, well but, yeah. but did you it, I mean from your experience what you've told us it really sounds like that training has really paid off based on how you were supported the training the midwives as you said, has paid off massively because we were treated with such care and respect. It was It's not what I expected. I was expecting old school midwives just 
grin and bear it. Just you do need to do what you need to do because that's what mid. I've had midwives that are old school, and they're just like, ah, "You're all right. You just you're fine." <laughs> um, but we had a midwife called Suzanne, and she was helpful, kind, so professional, so empathetic towards the situation. Because I'm in labour, and I'm like. I was like, why is this so painful? She went, because you're having a baby. And I was like, no, I'm not. She went, yes, you are. You are having a baby. <laughs> like, she was so supportive. And just everything. Like, even when Bryn was born, the care and the respect that we received and Bryn received was, again, outstanding. It, it's di- mentally and physically must take a toll on them. For seeing that, because mm-hmm. it is a lot to go through for them as well. But yeah. it's been amazing that they've been provided with the training. And you said when you were there, you were obviously seeing how many other parents have, have gone through this. I mean, it's not something you want to think about when you're expecting a baby. But did you did you realise that it's something that touches so many lives? No. I knew some people had went through it. One of my friends, um, her sister went through it at 16 weeks. She had a little boy. This was 10 years ago. And she didn't have that. She had her baby in any. Her baby had to be brought to her all the time. Whereas we had been by our side because of the Abby cooling cot and because of Abigail's footsteps. We had her there by our side all the time. She wasn't left. She wasn't taken away, like anything like that. I'd have been like, where are you taking her? I'd have been freaking out. But again, like because of Abigail's, we've been able to have that time with her, but... Uh, she, my friend didn't. So, but I wasn't aware that like, so many people had went through it. It's complete. I didn't know what I'd have to go through because I never experienced it before. They said like going through labour is the only way. As that's not another way. Can you not just put me to sleep and do it? Mm. And they're like, no, you need to go through labour. But unfortunately, thousands of people go through it. A lot more than what you would think. Obviously, facilities in Medway are fantastic because that's where Joe and David live. And I know they're trying to get facilities across the whole country. Does it matter to you where Brinscott goes particularly or would you prefer it to stay in in Kent somewhere? I would love for it to go to Medway because that's where she was. But since that moment, I was like, we're doing this. I says, we're doing it. There's no way we're not doing anything. We have to do it. Like, I have to. Like, there's no question about it. Like, we're doing it. Like, we're sitting, uh, my thumb was killing me one day. We're emailing <laughs> loads of people. I've been out on the ground, like, going into places, mm. taking the letter I thought it with me and explaining what, what it is we're doing. And people have been so so happy to help. Obviously, you don't ever forget what's happened and you will always remember your baby, but how is this going to help you, do you think, to carry on <clears throat> living your life and, mm-hmm. and knowing that you've done something like this? This is keeping me going. If I didn't have this, again, I would be that wreck. I, would, I wouldn't I would be able to stand strong. I wouldn't be able to get to bed in the morning. I wouldn't be able to go back to work and carry on with normal as can be life. Life will never be normal. It's psychologically and emotionally damaging massively. Mm. It's traumatic. It's a traumatic experience to go through, to go through such pain again and have nothing at the end of it. There's got to be something that has to come out of it. Mm. Like, you can't just... It's not... I don't know how to explain it. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's um, refreshing how much support we've received from mm. just outside people that know us. It's quite... 
uplifting. It's keeping me going. People going like that. It's amazing what you're doing. Like I've yeah. had people that I've not spoken to in about 14, 15 years on my Facebook message me going like that. You're such a strong woman for doing this. Like you're so inspirational. And I'm like, well, what am I doing? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm only just raising money. Like, yeah. and they're, they're like, somebody I went to nursery with, <laughs> primary school with, and high school with. She was like, I've always known you to be such a strong woman. And look at you now, look at what you're doing for others. She was like, you're doing this for others. And even when I spoke to my sister, my sister Dawn, um, she said, this was meant to happen for a reason. This was meant for you to help others and raise awareness of this. This is, this is your my purpose. And I said, no, it is. It is my purpose. I need to do this for other people because I want them to have what I had. Everything always happens for a reason. I'm a big believer in that. And this is... Maybe that reason, like, unfortunately, like, I, my baby's not with us. I was supposed to go on maternity this month, and it's just, no, nah, I think this this gives me a purpose to keep going. Gives me a purpose to keep going, and I need to do it. Like, anybody that knows me, I live for my children. It's the same with Bryn, even though she's not here. I'm doing it for her. We want to thank Cheryl so much for sharing her story with us. 14 babies are either stillborn or pass away shortly after birth in the UK every day. Cheryl is now fundraising for Abigail's Footsteps for a cold cot in Bryn's memory. You can donate by searching for Bryn Aurora Griffiths on GoFundMe. A week dedicated to raising awareness about baby loss will take place later this year in October. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.